Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Catherine Frankson from Informa join us. Catherine, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Yeah. Hi, Shauna. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I am the Director of Event Marketing at Informa, and Informa is a global events and intelligence company. So we produce conferences, trade shows, um, user conferences, sales events all around the world in a variety of markets. Um, we've also got content that we sell, white papers that we produce. So it's a very interesting time to be in this industry, but I oversee all of our event marketing, but my background is actually in sales. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, your experience developing events for for virtual, hybrid, and in-person environments is also something that I think a lot of sales enablement practitioners are, are deeply involved in within their organizations, particularly when it comes to things like their sales kickoff events or any quarterly events or maybe President's Club, right? And as, as many sales and practitioners are responsible for events, for sales teams, I'd love to understand from you, what are some of the different factors that you need to take into consideration for, for each of those different types of event environments? Yeah, and all of our events pre-COVID were were physical events. So we were exactly living in that field events. What are we, you know, handling for sponsorship and lead generation, audience acquisition, major conference and trade show production. So I, I feel like it's a great question because the different factors are are front and center more than they ever have been. You kind of get into your routine of events and go, great, this is how our, you know, enablement conference went last year. So we're going to, you know, lift and shift it again. But when everything stopped and we made the shift to virtual, um, new, new questions were right at the forefront. So, you know, for us, the three biggest factors when you're planning of a virtual event specifically is the product that you're actually creating. I was, I say to our team, I'm like, congratulations, you're product marketers now. We have a lot of specialists, but if we're not using the right insights that we need to create an in-demand product that the market has acceptance and, and, and a level of aptitude for, then you're going to start doing all of your channel work and you're going to you know, have your goals and your audience acquisition or your, your KPIs around how many leads you want to field to your reps and, and you're, you're not going to get there because the actual product that you've created isn't in alignment with where your audience is right now. So um, taking that that quintessential step back, going, what is the right, what is the right format? What is the right timing? What is the right length of time? How hyper-specific do we have to get in terms of niching down? That's one of the things that we've we've seen more success in is, is going into specifically, you know, persona heavy, themed, highly targeted, more niche events. It speaks to your audience in a deeper way. You also really need to think about price or objective we we do run paid events as well so when you when you think of that that pricing model are you doing you know audience acquisition free events leading up to something that might have a price point attached to it if your objective is just lead generation, brand health, brand reach and awareness, then you have to go in with that because there's no way to build similar programming out like you had in past years without it stemming from um, the objective that you really have to hit. And then the other big factor is is 
promotion. We're usually working on a tighter promotion cycle for virtual events, which I think is opportunistic in many ways. But but you definitely can, you know, be out sprinting really, really quick. So how we've managed that is, you know, marketing plans that are a little bit pithier, but have your have your macro plan. Here's our audience. We need to achieve X. This is where we're going. Here's our benchmarks. And then you've got your, you know, it doesn't have to be so fully baked from channel strategy end to end because that's going to take a little bit too much time. But then that leaves room for all of your, you know, micro strategies. Okay, as we go along, we might, you know, pop up into a clubhouse room or we're seeing some success here. So we're going to lean into that a little bit more. But that just allows you to move, move faster. So Virtual, that's how we've been planning for for those events, which we're still doing a lot of. We are starting to think about, you know, physical events again for it's going to really depend on the regionality, your audience, what your goals are there. But that move into in-person, the considerations are very different, right? Market support, safety, location, budget data, probably going to see a heavy regional focus. So does the owned data that we have support this from an attendance perspective? Does this make sense financially? If we need more space and these safety protocols and we're capped in some ways, does it feel viable? Are we actually achieving our our goals that we need to successfully with our virtual events. So the the considerations become very different. And then of course, for hybrid, there is an intersection point between both of those, but it becomes a little bit more nuanced, even when you get into the production of we're going to design an experience for our virtual audience and then our in-person audience as well. I, I couldn't agree more. And you you actually touched on a few of these already in that response, but just to really focus on this what are some of the the key challenges that you encountered in the past with the with the shift to primarily virtual events and then what are some ways in which you can overcome some of those challenges it's interesting. We uncovered all of the challenges as we were doing our events because <laughs> the, the parts that were, and I don't want to say easy, content translates really well. So challenges were sponsor and exhibitor inclusion, getting that formula right, building out partnerships that that made more sense, were in better alignment. They felt like they were getting the return that they wanted. You know, audience acquisition, how do we get the attendance that we want on our events? And then also, how do we how do we onboard them appropriately? So there was certainly a lot of new technology. And when you think of what makes this successful is if we, we feel like we've got all the right building blocks, but we need to have, you know, this level of attendance, this performance makes it viable for either our sales team or our sponsor or, or just us as an event, right? You know, this is the lift that we're hoping to achieve from it. Um, and then making sure that you're solving for engagement, because if you do get your audience, many of them who might be, you know, super fans of your brand or alumni or um, key partners, you get them on and it, and it feels like there's a leg or a drag and there isn't the engagement that they want. You certainly don't want it to be something that actually becomes a disincentive for, for partnerships. So the ways around that, some of it was flying the plane and you're building it. So a lot of 
you know, information sharing. We had a Slack channel where it was really tight communication from our sales enablement, from marketing, from ops, from content, so that everyone is on the same page with the type of feedback that we're getting. I think it was really important. One of the the goals of our team was to make sure people were speaking, exhibiting, partnering at other events. So you can get this, this level of empathy and understanding for the new production and design and what's working and what what is your attention span, you know, for, for the event? If you're, if we sponsor, we're an exhibitor, how does that feel? So getting all the right inputs and communication sharing throughout the process really made a big difference because then you're just able to be honest, course, correct, iterate, and your, your next event or your your next virtual field event, you're just that much tighter in your execution. Absolutely. Now you hit on a very key word there and that was empathy. Now, you've said before that empathy is extremely important when it comes to the audience and and what and how they're experiencing things. So why is that important? And and what are some ways that practitioners can can build on that empathy? Yeah, if your your event isn't going to feel right, if you don't plan it with empathy, it's going to feel a little tone deaf. And if you go to market with the same messaging, which is which is easier said than done, right? I mean, there's a lot of new moving parts and some teams are working leaner. Some people in the tech space are busier than ever and they're scaling. So it's, it's a, you know, really unique time to be producing this new volume of virtual events, but you really, really have to, and you're, you know, you're, you're iterating, your revenue models are changing, but without that pause and saying, we have to rethink what our value prop is, what's actually going to land, what copy are we using, how are we positioning, are we being really honest with what's going to be valuable for our our audience? If you don't lead with that level of consciousness and you just go, here's the plan, we're going to open registration, we're going to announce this, we're going to, you know, here's our key milestones that we, that we want to hit, it's going to really feel like there's a disconnect with your audience. And some of the areas that we, we found that we needed to take a really empathetic approach was with technology. People are, you know, virtual events have scaled. So your audiences and your partners and your speakers are that, that comfort level is, it's, it's there in a much more profound way, but helping your audiences get into the event, being really clear about, you know, tech preferences, holding their hand in, in new ways, you know, sending the right volume of reminders and being really realistic about the, what the hurdles are for them to, to join. And so we, we took the approach where we wanted to audit all of our, our communications. Nothing was, you know, rinse and, and repeat. And, you know, almost to the point where you're thinking, okay, if I'm getting this message, I'm working in this sector, I'm home, I'm, you know, really busy, I've got kids, I'm in my socks, and and I'm getting the, like, is it going to feel right? Is it what they're going through in their day-to-day at work? Are we capturing their attention? Are we making it as easy as possible to opt in? Are we, what, I mean, one quick note was normally we thought, gosh, if you send five reminders the day of an event, that would be <laughs> really obnoxious. Turns out to be helpful, right? Everyone's sort of, they're hopping on, they're hopping off. They don't actually want to miss a keynote. They're, and then they're going to tackle something else that maybe they do want to pop back in for the round table. So when you lead with that, uh, you know, your business outcomes are still right there, but I think it just sets the right tone because all of the communication that you're, you're sending out around your event has just evolved so seismically end to end, both from promotions to 
confirmations, how they access, survey follow-ups, you know, where you take them on the journey from there. I love that. And I think that that's fantastic advice on how to incorporate empathy into audience building. Now, one other thing that you wrote that really caught my eyes, you you wrote about the importance of using the first minute of your event thoughtfully. I'd love for you to explain that concept to our audience. And, and what are some common mistakes to avoid when it comes to that first minute? How can practitioners instead really leverage it to grab the attention of the audience? Yeah, and I think this feeds back into the the empathy piece too. So, you know, previously when you went to a physical event, you often travel, you're on a plane, you're flying somewhere, you're excited, you've packed a bag, you've checked into the hotel, your lanyard's on. It's it's immersive. It's very very different. And so when you're when you're watching a virtual event, even if you're excited, um you've got your laptop on, you've got your event going in one browser tab, maybe you have LinkedIn open in another, your Outlook, your Gmail, you've got your phone in your lap, you're at home, <laughs> there's an an Amazon delivery. All of that doesn't mean that you're not eager to, you know, to participate, to to get this content, but you don't have that immersion that anyone, you know, creating event experiences before benefited from. So you have to grip your audience right away, provide them value right away, or, or you're going to lose them to all of these other, you know, uh, incoming messages that they have. No one, no one is going, okay, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to shut down absolutely everything else. I'm going to go totally into a quiet room. It's just not realistic. And so you've put all of this hard work into, you know, getting however many people on this event. And that's where you have to activate it. If you get them, if you grip them right away, you're, you're, hooking your audience. So I think, you know, a lot of the mistakes that I see being made is, you know, the event opens up, maybe you've got the holding slide, which is fine. Um, sometimes events will start a few minutes late because they're still kind of, you know, d- getting some tech rolling on the back end, which is, uh, you know, understandable, although that margin for error is getting tighter and tighter. Um, and then it's, you know, uh, housekeeping slides. Oh, you're going into this long thing. You're doing really long intros or CEO wants to say hello. And that can all feel, you know, right as rain. And that, that might've been how things were formulated in your physical event but you don't have that that benefit of a captive audience. So you have to dive right in. And then you bake, you know, any of those components, if you really do feel like you have to include them, a lot of them, I would argue you don't have to bake them in later, because then you've got your audience invested. Some some easy examples, one, have a really, really great moderator, have them diving in right away, chat, we found that, you know, depending on the size and scale of your event, networking can be a little bit tougher, but people love chat. So diving right into chat, welcome, oh, I see we've got, you know, Catherine, from Minneapolis and engage your audience, have something really visually stimulating, have some banter with your guests. I, I saw a, a virtual event yesterday, actually, that was that was really great. And it was they were talking about what was hot in events. So event trends, but the two panelists were doing it while um, they pulled this from a, a TV concept, which I think is great. And they did it while they were eating wings with hot sauce. But right as it started, their wings were delivered. It felt a little bit like TV. You were kind of, you know, you're engaged. Like, where are they? Wow, where are they going? They're actually, even, oh, they're coming back with the wings. They're putting the sauce on. And and I would imagine their their verification, the audience attendance that stayed on through that event, you know, mainly because it was so captivating right from the onset. And it, it doesn't have to be something that's costly. It doesn't have to have production value. All you have to think about is, 
great. We've done a ton of hard work to get our audience here. If we have, if we challenge ourselves and we've got one minute to make sure that they feel like this is how they want to spend the next hour or half day or day, put that healthy pressure on yourself and think of something that would be, you know, visually attention grabbing. You're going to have people joining just with audio as well. So think about something that would be really entertaining to listen to and just dive right in and then build in some of those components that might feel like you're easing a little bit into your event later on. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you're always challenging the status quo with your virtual events now. And and I think that's really important because, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this a few times now, but there is a lot of fatigue, especially, especially virtually. So how can you help maintain, you know, that high energy and that momentum throughout a virtual event? Well, I think you have to also decide that you want to have a high energy virtual event. A lot of this is is mindset that leads to execution. Some of, you know, making sure that it's high energy is doing less, is going, gosh, did we overproduce our last event? You know, we wanted to provide so much value in so many sessions and and content and interactivity and channel choices or room choices and was that maybe was that maybe too much? What if we do this one thing more condensed, one great speaker, here's an experiential element. Um, let's kick up the design factor a little bit, challenge our designer to just do something really fun, and let's go all in on that. So it's it's also the willingness of your team to have those conversations and also not sort of romanticize what you've already done because we're all learning. It's it's changing for everyone, and there's success in every event that you're producing. So, you know, pat yourself on the back and then go, how do we freshen it up? You know, less of, oh, that worked. So we can do one of these a month and more saying that worked. Excellent. We checked the box and now we're going to really do something, you know, and try to try to level up or, oh, we went to another event. This worked well for them. Let's, let's borrow that. Like, let's use that format because there's also a lot of inspiration out there. So it doesn't have to feel like reinventing the wheel every time. But I think having that that right mindset of your team, keeping everyone in, you know, excited about that process too, will also keep it from, you know, feeling a little bit fatiguing, <laughs> even internally as well. I could not agree more having done a few of these virtual events. It's important not to get complacent. Now, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've learned so much. I, I do want to close this out a little bit because I think, and, and you've written about this as well, it is really important to give audiences the opportunity to create things together and and not even just learning together during these events. And and so what are some ways in which our audience, our sales and practitioners can cultivate meaningful experiences during events? Yeah, the creating together, I do think is the next opportunity for events. We've scaled free content really well. <laughs> you know, and I think we've we've now taught our audiences that we we are going to be doing really smart, specific, interesting events. People are available to speak more than ever. We're getting really good thought leaders. But the next layer to peel back in the the onion is sort of, okay, well the the value exchange for my time, what am I getting out of it? Especially if our audiences can just watch something on demand. But if you know that you're opting into something and you're able to create 
together, leave with a level of work product together, that that can really shift how they feel about what you're building for them. So, you know, some of the execution of that, that, that we've seen work really well is, you know, virtual breakouts, round tables, sponsored sessions where sponsored content works really well too. We, we've seen this, you know, decoupling of, of church and state, or we do peer editorial content and speakers from the industry, and then we've got suppliers and your suppliers are thought leaders. So integrate that, but where they lead a a working session as well. If you're in the tech space, maybe it's, we're going to bring, you know, we're going to bring them together. They're going to do demos. We're actually going to show, we're going to, we know you're solving for these problems and you have questions. We're going to, we're going to walk through it together. Maybe you're in in the marketing space. We're going to do some website teardowns. We're going to actually show you how we would build landing pages. We're going to do a screen share and walk you through how we think of our, our sales funnel or our marketing plans. Here's an actual example of how we're scheduling out our content. That that moving into the really tactical how is what your audience wants and and they will opt in for that. That that feels like the piece that they're waiting for. And and I think too virtual does still offer that. We had a partner event where it was in the, the sustainability space and they did a, a virtual a scientist, a virtual tour of a, a biochar, very you know, scientific, but field in in Helsinki. And this took them in, showed them how it was, you know, planted and it's a soil amendment and all of that. And the reality is no one on that call would have had that experience without that event. And then putting everyone into breakouts and saying, okay, great. We know there's this new level of funding coming in nationally. How, how are you um, building that into your plans? And then working through some of that and, you know, your net promoter scores go, go through the roof. So there's, there's a lot of ways it's being really close to your audience, understanding what they would want, thinking creatively. It doesn't have to be a, a, a super heavy lift. It can feel like, oh my gosh, they have to make something together as opposed to we're just, you know, hiring a speaker and, and they'll they'll present and that'll be that'll be great. But our, you know, audiences and partners and sponsors are responding so well to that and it's really valuable. I love that. Catherine, thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it too. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.